Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Well, uh, very excited about this, this whole series. It's been really encouraging to me. Uh, today we're talking about the, the limitless Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, when we baptize this morning, we're going to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This wild, hard-to-get-your-mind-around triune God that is so real, and as we look at this, we understand in Scripture, it says, Jesus, when you see me, you see the Father. When you hear the Spirit, you hear God, and you hear the Father, you hear Jesus, and you can just mix any way you want. And these three parts of God that are all one, in perfect community with no competition, all working in the, as one God is what we believe in. Hard as that is to get your mind around, it's so clear in Scripture, and really my experience has been like, yes, I know what that means, I'm, I understand that, you know, it's a little bit of a mystery. And as I think about that, I just think about, you know, this, even though there's this unique and there's this distinctive part of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and... Uh, the more we come to know one, the more we come to know all three, right? And we are to love all three. We are to yield to all three. We are to obey all three, right? And so, as we look at this, I want to start a little bit with kind of my story with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I did not, was not raised in a church like Vineyard. It was a different tradition. And God did a lot of really good things in that tradition. And uh, that tradition was extremely excited about the Father and extremely excited about Jesus. And they liked the Holy Spirit. That's the best way to describe it. It doesn't mean that they, <clears throat> they were just a, a concern that it would get emphasized too much, I think, or something. And so, as a rule, I didn't know a lot about the Holy Spirit because I would, they wouldn't talk much about it other than Jesus had it. And and these miracles happened, and they, they, they did love a really beautiful part of the Holy Spirit that it actually convicts you of sin. The Spirit does that. So they were really good on that. Like, that's the Holy Spirit, right? But beyond that, I don't, didn't get a lot of information on understanding the depths of who the Holy Spirit was. And so in that spot, I had a lot. In fact, I had a point where at certain points that I was kind of like a, a little nervous to even talk about it. Like, you know, we don't talk about that. So that that influences how you view God, right? And so, as I look back, what's interesting about all this is I look back, even if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit in the sense that He's active and moving, I can tell you you're still experiencing Him <laughs> either way. Whether you have a terminology or a clear theology on it, it's just who God is. God moves by His Spirit and and I, and I can even remember, you know, not hearing anything about the Holy Spirit, but thinking, what was that? That, must, that was God, but it, and I wouldn't have had the terminology, but I remember these places in which that, you know, uh, I remember even in grade school, being at places in which that I would be in a service, and during a hymn, all of a sudden, I would feel this tremendous love and warmth. <laughs> I'd feel this connection to one another. I'd feel this place of goodness. I can remember when my parents had parties and had people over. I remember the feeling I could have when they were just loving each other. 
and it was very distinct. You know, I remember this place of um, one night, uh, our family, we went and had a major car accident. We were on I-70 when we were little kids. And it was pretty traumatic, uh, very close to near death. It was near death. We should have died, but we didn't. And we were going to bed that night. And my dad wasn't really a big, he was very, loved Jesus, but he was, didn't say much about it. <laughs> so he thought, we're going to pray. I'm like, I'm like a kid. I was not distracted. This sounds like a good idea because I'm just like, just like this. And as he prayed, light, I remember thinking, did someone turn the lights on brighter? And there was this warmth. And all of a sudden, as a kid, I felt this tremendous peace and security. I mean, I can feel it to this day. And all I know is I closed my eyes and I woke up the next morning. I don't, I don't remember anything after that. It was just like the best prayer I've ever had. Dad, that was good for a first time. That was pretty good. <laughs> You know, I, I think about the, this whole place of, you know, I, I finally got to a place where, you know, when I first came to know Jesus, I was really young. <clears throat> By the way, you can be really young and know Jesus very clearly. I was, eight, I was about eight years old, and I can remember, and I was like, I had like a lesson in the Trinity. You know, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> I feel the presence of God on me. I, it's like a light turned on, and I saw my need, and I saw who Jesus was. And I, as an eight-year-old, I knew he was God, <laughs> Not clearly, and I knew I needed him, and I ran forward saying, I need Jesus, and it established something. So I had the Holy Spirit <clears throat> reveal Jesus and take me to the Father all in one package, and it was God the whole way, right? You know, I, uh, you know, I grew up, and then I drifted away uh, from Jesus, and you would have had no idea that I was, had Jesus in me in any way, the Holy Spirit. And in that point of, even in adolescence, when I was like at some of my worst spots, I remember I, even as a small kid, uh, I used to have this feeling that would come over me. Um, I remember being in the dentist, I remember being, sometimes when I was sick, I would have this darkness come over me. It was literally just felt like evil would just rest on me. And being a kid, that just sounds too weird, so I didn't say, ever say anything about any, to anybody. I just learned how to get through it until it went away. Some of you guys go, oh, I know that one. <laughs> All right. And I remember I'm sitting there, and I, I, yeah, I get, yeah, I get the picture here. My mom <clears throat> loved me to pieces. But if I said, hey, mom, let's snuggle and watch TV, she'd probably have to look it up. Like, what does that mean? <clears throat> She just wasn't a touchy, feely, huggy person. And uh, so, and I wasn't either. I didn't think. But all of a sudden, my mom, here I am, an adolescent, had it like this towards my mom. And all of a sudden, my mom's sitting about 10 feet away on the couch, <clears throat> and this feeling starts coming over me. And it just feels, it's, it feels worse, and it feels worse, and I can't get rid of it. And I feel this fear, and I feel... The same feeling, the same voice I had when I came to Jesus, I, I hear it say, David, go to your mom, <laughs> lay on her lap, and ask her to rub your head. Which is somewhat like Moses parting the Red Sea, but I, <clears throat> but I, I was so desperate 
I ran to my mom, to her surprise, I plopped my head down, whether she liked it or not, on her hand, I said, rub my head, please. And she began awkwardly rubbing my head, and instantly, that spirit just left me, right? And I thought, whoa. But back then, I didn't really have a very good grasp of what theologically was happening. I just knew that was God something in there. I don't know what that was about, but it was the Holy Spirit. And then after I came to a place of, of returning to Jesus, again, it was I felt the Holy Spirit again. And then I remember leading this Bible study, and I remember thinking, I don't know what to say. And I would feel him directing me and empowering me in ways that didn't make sense, but I would just kind of be desperate. And then we didn't ever know much about worship, and we began daring to raise our hands and sing instead of about God to God and man. We started feeling this. We didn't have terms for it. We just didn't want to stop. And uh, so I loved all the Holy Spirit except parts of the Holy Spirit. You guys know what I mean by that? There are certain parts. I had my Pentecostal friends. <clears throat> they kept wanting to pray over me, have me speak in tongues. And they always loved to talking about these things that where the power of the Holy Spirit would come and the gifts of the Holy Spirit would take place and they had a prophetic word from somebody. And I, I like, stranger, stranger, danger, danger. I don't know what's going on here. Are you a Christian? Because that just wasn't something I had a lot of excitement for. This miraculous power coming through them. I think, whoa, where are you getting this, you know? I remember one time someone mentioned being slain in the spirit. You know, if you're trying to convince your non-charismatic friends, <clears throat> don't use the word slain. Uh, slain in the spirit is a kind of a difficult term to grasp because, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult because that's, that the term is to kill a person or a wild animal, animal in a violent way. That's slain. So I thought, <clears throat> I don't think I want that. <laughs> now, John Wimber, the, one of the founding pastors of the Vineyard, used to have a term I liked. He says, I don't have pockets for this. <laughs> what he meant by that is like, God would do things and he didn't have any place to put them. Like, I, I don't know how to hold on to this. I don't even know what to do with this. I, if I had pockets for something you're trying to do something with, you don't, I don't have pockets for this. I didn't have pockets for this part of the Holy Spirit. Now, I was teaching on spiritual gifts. I was telling the Holy Spirit still for today. But there's a part of me that just didn't like certain parts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, as I, I think about this is that, you know, I just didn't have pockets for it. You know, over time, though, theologically, I became more sound, and I became a full Trinitarian. I was a, I was a Trinitarian with a small H on the Holy Spirit part, right? So I, I, I capitalized it all the way through, and I, I believe this. But I really did it by, both biblically, I couldn't see any, any other way of looking at it. <laughs> but primarily, I realized this whole thing of the Holy Spirit, how good the Holy Spirit is. And through many choices that were not very comfortable, I got to know the Holy Spirit. He's so good. And he's always been good. And he's always been driving the show the whole time. I just didn't know who, who, who to, what to call him, right? 
I couldn't have come to know Jesus without the Holy Spirit showing me who Jesus was. You know, you can't convince someone who, the Holy, who Jesus is. You can say all you want. You can play apologetics out and facts. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal who Jesus is. Only the Holy Spirit can direct you. Only the Holy Spirit can teach you. He's been around a long time, so I started looking at Scripture like, my goodness, he's everywhere. He's from creation on all the way through Scripture. And I found myself in places in which now I just love the Holy Spirit. And I know he's good. And here's the thing about it is, recognizing the Holy Spirit is fully God is real important because it gives you to understanding what's in you. The Holy Spirit's dwelling within you. And he's the fullness of God is dwelling in you. And I say, I, the, part of the reason I'm saying this at the beginning before we get into the gifts part, to specific gifts part, is that if you're trying to say, I want to minister and I want a God to transform me, all these things, right, if you don't understand, if you're in a spot where you're resisting the Holy Spirit, where you don't long to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to be a hard road. You know, God's still gracious. It's like driving a car with the brakes on. You're not going to go away. He's going to be like, what's wrong here? And, and so my hope today is that you will trust the Holy Spirit to a greater degree by the end of our time. And you'll understand what you've been given. It's so clear that when we come to know Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells us. Look at Romans and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Just put that on your refrigerator for a while. The very spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that power is living within you. It's fully God and it's limitless. Now, we're going to talk about the Corinthians. And the Corinthians had limited the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about what happened there. But we're also learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even as we look at the, all the ways that Paul was talking to the Corinthians about some of the things they weren't understanding about the Holy Spirit. So, as we look at Corinthians, you can turn there if you want. Uh, we're going to cover just a s small section of it. But what's important to understand, just putting this in context... Now, Corinthians and Romans are probably the two places you see most people using to, to put definition on these things that we call spiritual gifts, either internally of how we're motivated gifts or manifestational gifts, which is this is talking about. But we see that all the time, and that's usually what we're using to, as our text. But sometimes people forget this is an absolute corrective text. You know, Paul wasn't saying, hey, you guys need to figure out that you have the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit, and they were like going, they, you realize they were trying to figure this thing out. They were just gifts were happening, power was happening, and he was coming into that and trying to bring correction and trying to bring order and understanding, you know. And so, as we look at this, we have to realize that, you know, they had all these gifts, but there is, you have to realize this wasn't exactly the stellar congregation, right? You know, uh, I get kind of concerned when I see people in tough places in our church, but Corinthians encourages me a little bit because the church of Corinth, here's a couple of things they addressed before we get to chapter 12. You know, there's this guy, and he was sleeping with his father's wife, and proud of it, all right? Uh, there's this person who had sexual immorality, greed. Some people were connecting up with prostitutes. 
He had a lot of problems with people getting drunk and swindling each other. There were a lot of disagreements. We see in chapter 6, and they had lawsuits against each other. And they would just uh, not care about the other person. Uh, you know, they would, uh, as, as Bill talked about, they, they were, he was trying to get them to run the race well, and they weren't. <laughs> the reason he's telling you to run the race well is they weren't. And he's saying, I want you to run the race well. And so he was helping them <clears throat> and helping bring uh, truth into what they were uh, experiencing. And so we start looking at, you know, like there's such disunity. Here's what Paul says, says in, this is in 11:17. He says, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. That's a bad church assessment, by the way. And I was like, how do you do on the church assessment? Well, we've, we hadn't got the needle out of the bad yet. So, you know, <clears throat> and so you do more harm. And it says there's divisions among you. You know, it says, oh, yeah, by the way, on, on the communion, they had a love feast. It was a whole meal, right? People would run and get there first, eat all the meal and get drunk before people, other people showed up. We're talking some dysfunction here, right? <clears throat> And yet these are people he's addressing as followers of Jesus. And as we look at this, we start recognizing, oh, this is a tough crowd. So as he goes to Corinthians, God, Paul is actually tremendously gracious because he understands this is done out of ignorance. And he's, you know, one thing we, we, we say in our church a lot, and if we were more biblical, we'd have a Bible up here. But we, if I had a Bible here, I always say, the, we worship God in spirit and in truth, and there's, we need to have Scripture, and the inspired word of Scripture going deep into the center of our heart and hold on to the truth of what is written and what else. We need to open ourselves wide to the Holy Spirit, spirit and truth. And so what Paul is doing here, he's basically, they're just, they're all this and going crazy. And he's saying, I need you to bring truth in here to help you understand the two come together. So what he says in this, he's, he talks, he says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. I love the humor in that, right? Somehow these mute idols that don't say anything, the enemy spoke to you through, and you, you got led astray by these idols that mean nothing. He says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. As a new Christian, I analyze this verse to death. I think I've changed my theology. Basically, this is really just getting a bottom line. It was so messed up in Corinthians, they, they, they said, well, wait a minute, if someone says Jesus is cursed, we probably should not trust this person. <laughs> That's what it's saying. And if they're saying God is Jesus Lord, that, we'll stay with that one, right? That's basically what it's getting in the, in the broadest sense. There's some more thoughts on that, but that's, I'll stay with that one. That's for sure what it's saying at, at one level. And uh, it says, there are many kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. And so he's starting out by just helping them understand that, you know, 
the problem is they're not doing well, right? And Paul is connecting them to the truth of why they're not doing well. And as he talks to them, he's beginning to help them understand what has caused this, you know? And he's basically emphasizing this place that he doesn't want them to be uninformed and he wants to understand there's all these different kinds of gifts and services. And, and this is important to understand. Many times we look at the Corinthian passage and we think it's definitive. Like, okay, this, this gift and this gift, which gives us good information of these gifts we're going to even cover in just a few seconds. But really it's really saying all these things, as people do them in the name of Jesus, become gifts that God uses in power. And it looks many different ways through service, through prayer ministry, all the kind of different things. And so he gets that established, but it's all the same God doing all these things. And he goes on to say this. He says, now to one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to the com- for the common good. Uh, it says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there will be given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, uh, uh, another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another interpretation of tongues. It says, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit who distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so, what we see in this, he's basically starting out with this, talking about it's, this is for everyone, every person, because there's a, there's a lot of posturing in the Corinthian church, a lot of people putting themselves above their, and they say, this is for everyone, not just the few, this is for everyone, and, and, but why have they been given? They've been given for the common good. They were missing that one too. They didn't understand that if a gift is operated correctly, it always brings good to the whole congregation. The person who's giving it, the person who gives it, and the broader congregation. That's the impact of a spiritual gift that's being given. And then he goes on to say, you know, this place that it's this place where the Holy Spirit distributes the gifting just as he determines. In other words, you remember Bill, I thought that was great, Bill said, you know, we, we think we own gifts. We get them and we're going to carry around and own them. The Corinthians were trying to own their gifts. It's, gifts are something God's, the grace that God gives us that we don't deserve, that we're able to give to others by his grace. It's not something that we own. And it's, God gives us what gifts we need at what time. And God is not limited. The Holy Spirit's not limited on what we need. You know, uh, analogy I like is I'm at a spot where I'm trying to love somebody. I'm trying to bring them closer to Jesus, whether it be a non-Christian or a person in the church. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do I love this person? And I'm, I'm needing the Holy Spirit. I'm needing the Holy Spirit to do something bigger than I can do. And the best way I describe gift, true biblical understanding of gifting, as a man, I think of it being like a toolbox, right? Yeah, I reach in and all of a sudden I have the tool. I didn't know. I didn't have it. know what I didn't know I could even get that tool. It's a tool that I couldn't come up with. And somehow God gives me what I need for God to come through 
and display himself and to, to reveal himself through his power, through his presence, through his truth, through his love. Now, uh, Danielle, being the artsy person Danielle is, she calls it a Mary Poppins bag, you know? Just probably a little bit better, but it's kind of girlish. So I, but all just, you, know, you pull out, and it's way bigger than you think. How did that get in there, right? That's a little more clear, like whatever you need, however big you need, it's there, and it just keeps coming, right? This is a better understanding, because many times in spiritual gifts, we, don't, we start trying to define and put all these labels on them, Sure, those are helpful to get some order like he needed to for the Corinthians, but the reality of it is, is all these things of service and different workings and things, it's just limitless what God can do through you just choosing to trust in the Holy Spirit and rely on Him and step out and love a person and God comes through. And the result becomes unity. The body becomes more of the body. Because we, he does it in ways, he determines it in ways that we, he won't do it without us needing each other. You understand that most times in America when spiritual gifts is talked about, it's talked about on a very individualistic basis. And when the scripture talks about it, it talks about it always being a place of community where we, as we exercise spiritual gifts, we recognize others' gifts and how much we need them. It causes us to grow to interdependence. So, the question I have that I think is kind of one that I had as a new Christian, I still wonder about, like, wait a second. You're telling me the Corinthians were operating in spiritual gifts and it was more harmful than good? Yes. Right? How can that be? It's <laughs> a good question. If they're spiritual gifts, how can that be? If those are really from God? And I think what I would put it is that way is... We have to understand on the Holy Spirit is what's really clear is we're supposed to become more and more like Jesus individually and as a community. We're supposed to become more like his body and as we operate in our parts, we become more and more personally like Jesus and as a family, we become more and more like Jesus, right? Pretty clear. Well, I guess the Corinthians were kind of like Jesus. They're operating spiritual gifts, but what was missing here? Like, what's that about? He's, they still, he's still calling them believers. And I think what I, we have to understand is this, the, the thing about it is, is that what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to transform us and come into us and also to come through us. Holy Spirit's always going to places in us that we need His Spirit. You just expect Him to go to your place that you need Him the most. That's who God is. But He also is going to a place and giving us places and ways of having Him come through us as well. We are being given gifts, and the way that we keep increasing in that is we give them away as quick as we can in love and service to those around us. Now, so the Corinthians, they're in this spot in which what they didn't understand, here's, here's, your, here's what's worth admission. I guess you didn't pay any, but if you had paid admission, this is what's worth it. Is the fruit of the Spirit is not the same as the gifts of the Spirit. 
And see, the Corinthians believed in their ignorance. They're kind of new to this. They don't have Paul's writing. They're, they're just figuring it out. They believed that spiritual gifting meant they were spiritually mature. Right? And they, a gift is just a gift. <laughs> and it can use lots of different ways. And so what, what the Corinthians, I'd say, is they, the, they needed the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a place in which that out of the Holy Spirit and yielding to the Holy Spirit, we begin producing these good things within us in our everyday lives. They start coming out of us and we get to have fruit come out of our life. Don't you love being around people who have the fruit of the Spirit? Don't you love it? Right? It's so good because it's who Jesus is. And so when we're around them, we actually can experience the love of Jesus, the character of Jesus, right? And as we respond to, to those, we, 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 fall in Jesus, we fall in love with Jesus more. And our maturity increases as we grow in the gifts of the Spirit. Understand, remember we, I said this before? The measurement of spiritual growth and the substance of spiritual growth is increased love. That's it. And so, this is because it comes from this, the Holy Spirit, yielded to. And what the Corinthians did get, which is really good, and Paul was saying, don't lose that. In fact, he encourages us to eagerly seek spiritual gifts. He began saying, you know, what I want you to have is these gifts. I want you to understand what they are. I want you to be able to be in a person that you love and with this place of love, you, you begin giving them wisdom that's better than you can come up with. Supernatural wisdom. You begin giving them places in which that you can actually have ways of, have you ever had that? Here's just a good example. Many of you, a normal thing with our church is you might be prayed for and someone says something about you. How did you know that? And you know it's God, right? That's called word of knowledge. It's a spot in which the God shows you things that you couldn't actually see. And when you when you have someone who loves you and brings you a word of knowledge, which they say, I think God might be saying this, I don't know what it means, and you go, God sees me, right? It's just, it's just the most powerful thing of prophetic words, places of people exercising faith and stepping out in things and healing, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, speaking in different times of tongues, interpretation of tongues. I mean, all these things, God says, I want to give these things to you. And so as we look at this, is to put it in simple form, is what I want is I want us to be people who are led and yielded to the Holy Spirit, that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And looking at this, who understand that spiritual maturity transformation is available because the power of the Holy Spirit is, is limitless. The trauma you've gone through, the things that you've come out of, the sin that you've committed, the Holy Spirit is limitless in bringing His forgiveness, His redemption, and His calling on your life, and His healing, and His deliverance. The Holy Spirit's limitless. He wants to take your heart and have love start coming out of it. 
And so just, just imagine this. I mean, we've been saying this over and over, right? I'm just, it just is, keeps being worth repeating. Think of a church. Think, let's just narrow it down to our church. When you see these two things increasing, where because we're yielded fully to the Holy Spirit, we're allowing Him in these deepest parts of us. By the way, it never ends. I'm an old guy. He's, he's just dealing with me on all kinds of new stuff. And guess what? After I get past that, He'll deal with me on some other stuff because He has more for me. Can you imagine everybody is, is being transformed and this is coming out of us. This, what we see in Galatians is just coming out of us. And we've got that fruit everywhere we go. We walk in and we just think, fruit, it's, oh my gosh, it's just so encouraging because this, it's, you feel God just by hanging around somebody. Think about this. And then think about this place is, is then those same people who have this character are able to pray for you and God does something that's impossible and that becomes normal. That is the church. <laughs> that is what we're to be. That's just what we love when this happening. But God wants more of that. But it gets down to that point of trusting yourself fully to the Holy Spirit and letting His Spirit, His limbless Spirit, go down to the deepest parts of who you are and recognizing that you have gifts. And as you actually start exercising gifts, you will find that will actually propel you to depend on the Spirit to help you in your character and those other things. It's not one and the other. It's both at the same time. So, a worship team can come on up, and I want to give you just a, a simple invitation. Yield to the Holy Spirit. I may have seen straightforward, but some of you really are resisting the Holy Spirit. Uh, I used to tell my Pentecostal friends and my charismatic friends, I'm not resisting the Holy Spirit. And they said, it sounds like you are. <laughs> I, I, sometimes you just don't know because you're trying, you, you want, but God is gracious and he understands why you're resisting the Holy Spirit and he wants to help you even with that. Ask him to fill you. Long for his spirit to fill you up and take the weight off and let him be your God. Walk in the Spirit. Welcome his transforming power. Those things that you're struggling with internally, you need to allow the Holy Spirit access to those. And he's really good about taking us from this to this if we, give him the, if we just get honest with him. And then begins walking in the Spirit in that spot. Begin taking him in and then ask him, what do I do? and listening, and responding, and just minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have all the gifts. They're there for you. They're there. If you think, no, I'm too messed up, think about the Corinthians. Just make sure the love is at the front of it, because we know Corinthians 13, right? You can do all these amazing gifting things, but if this love is not the central point of what you're doing it for, it just doesn't count as anything. So, all you got to do is a little love and just operate in the Holy Spirit.